0: As a new grad, I just found the whole thing pretty overwhelming, like jumping into the spaces. I'm sure a lot of new grads do. Come out from the end of uni, I had so much less knowledge, experience, and skill than I thought I had. And especially going into like hunting practice, oftentimes I was there by myself, trying to do my best. That's the point where I was like, actually, I don't know what I am doing here. And it was scaring the crap out of me. And it just made me like super anxious and not really like the job too much, to be honest. And so that first like year of my dental career was like a time where I was like, wow, what am I doing? Done. Is this actually it now? Like, is this my my career for the rest of my life and this is what it looks like? Because I, I wasn't really enjoying it and I wasn't like my happy self. I was kind of like super stressed
1: out. On this episode, we meet Dr. Matt Hedge. After completing his dental degree at CSU, he worked between private practices and public hospitals across the mid-North Coast region, then decided to make the move to the glorious Gold Coast at the beginning of 2018 in to chase a fantastic lifestyle, beautiful beaches, and new opportunities. Matt thoroughly enjoys general dentistry and has a passion for cosmetic dentistry and making people feel happy and confident about their beautiful smiles. Here we discuss how you juggle your dental degree, the difficult first year of dental graduates, clear aligners, and his transition from orthodontics to aesthetic treatments, and how you need to start taking photos again for your dental work. CBD Junkie Dental Podcast is about connecting with passionate Australian dentists who are improving themselves and have attended various CPD courses. My aim is to find out for you the best CPD courses around and what they did to help get them to where they are today. So you can consider doing it and becoming the best dentist you can be. Quicker. Hi CPD Junkie fam, I'm your host Lawrence Doan and today we're joined by Dr. Matt Hedge. Dr. Mack Hedge welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So you know would you attribute some of your interest in dentistry to a family friend back in Port Macquarie?
0: Yeah yeah so growing up um, we had a family friend uh, who's a dentist down there Mark Brisley. Um, yeah so I, I was seeing him as my regular dentist didn't know what I was going to do as a kid and then um, one day mum. Just said why don't you go you know spend a day with Mark and just see what dentistry is like and I thought you know can't hurt we'll give it a shot so didn't really have any major like thoughts about it we just did it went in um kind of really loved it um loved everything that he was doing the vibe that he had in there he had a super like super nice super chill clinic with really cool staff and by the end of the, by the end of the day I was like I want to do what this guy is doing it's uh, it was really cool so I, I chatted to him about it, and he said, "Look, if you want, if you want to, you know, chase this, let me know. I'll help you. Like, I'll help you up the application and and all of this." And I thought, "Yeah, hey, wouldn't like once again, let's just give it a shot. We'll see what happens." Yeah. Didn't Fast really-
1: forward to today, you're a dentist now. Yeah. So, and here we are. Yeah. So then, what happens when you graduate? Right. So you graduate from dental school. So where do you go to there? Do you go back or do you yeah. end up on the gold coast somehow?
0: Yeah. So <laughs> I was, I was um, at uni in Orange at Charles Sturt University in Orange and graduated up there in 2015 and then went back to Port Macquarie. I mean, it was the 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 safest thing to do, right? Uh, you know, back to home, um, somewhere I know, know everybody and could like kind of start things off. So I worked um, both in public and private there for, I think, two years. I was back at home before I started to get bored, uh, (laughs) and uh, and then decided to, you know, shake it up a little bit and move to the Gold Coast. You know, try and find something different, kind of reinvent myself there, and have a have a something new and different and exciting. So it was really cool.
1: Mm. So let's dive into that a little bit. So you mentioned you're doing both public and private, which is like for a lot of people when they first graduate, it's kind of difficult. I feel like because in the public, in my experience is that you kind of, they either want you full-time and they don't want you, you know, doing part-time, part-time. So how did you find juggling that?
0: Well, I didn't actually juggle it. So I started off in private. Um, and, and I, you know, as a new grad, I just found the whole thing pretty overwhelming, like jumping into the spaces. I'm sure a lot of new grads do. Come out from from the end of uni, I had so much less knowledge experience and skill than I thought I had and especially going into like a, a you know country practice because I was in Port Macquarie but I was also in a number of like small towns around the area as well with this practice um, and so oftentimes I was there by myself like just you know trying to do my best and was really kind of got to the point where I was like actually I don't know what I'm you know don't know what I'm doing I don't know what I am doing here and it was scaring the crap out of me and it just made me like super anxious and not really like the job too much, to be honest. And so that first like year of my dental career was like the the time where I was like, wow, what have I done? Is this actually it now? Like, is this my, my career for the rest of my life? And this is what it looks like because I, I don't know, I wasn't really enjoying it and I wasn't like my happy self. I was kind of like super stressed out. So that came to the point where I was like, you know, how can I, how can I alter this and modify it? How can I make it something you know, different? I thought you know, public seemed like uh, from what I'd heard and what I'd spoken to people, it was, it was gonna be a good opportunity for me to kind of uh, have some mentorship and some growth and learn. And, and it really was, I, I worked there for maybe only a year or so, but it was really, I thought it was really good. I learned mm-hmm. about how to, you know, how to treat things and how to treat things fast as you have to do in, you know, in, in public system because you've got like half an hour appointments or whatever we have, like toothache, 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 toothache for half an hour. So you get pretty efficient at doing things, but whenever you get stuck or whatever happens, there's always someone to help you. There's no like, you know, there's no stress or pressure from the top. Um, So I found it was a really good one for me to kind of get comfortable in, you know, basic treatment, you know, just how to take out teeth, how to do fillings, how to talk to people, and all of that without having the stresses of like money and finances and, you know, time constraints and business things on top of it. So
1: it was really yeah. good. Well, I mean, I want to unpack this a little bit more because it's actually an interesting topic because I'm talking to a lot of graduates as well or, or new new graduates. And they're like, oh, you know, there's this like an amazing opportunity. But I'm like, is there someone to support you? And they're like, no, but you know then they're like, it's all right. I'll, you know, if I just dive in, I'm sure I'll be able to like, you know, somehow, you know, survive. Mm. But to your point, you know, obviously you were struggling. I mean, at the time when you got this job, were you thinking, you know, um, it's short, like if I just do courses or whatnot, it would supplement it. How did you kind of get through that, you know, ter- like difficult moment? Mm. I,
0: yeah, I think it's, I think it's really hard. I think, you know, there is always a degree of like sink or swim when you start as a new graduate. And regardless of if you go public or if you go private, if you have mentorship or not, I still think you most people are going to have that feeling that they're like in over their head and they've taken off more than they can chew quite often. I think that doesn't stop, you know, at certain points in people's career. But um, yeah, like obviously I think I've done things in my first couple of years that if I could go back it would probably, I'd do it a little bit differently. I think I would, you know, I, uh, to like explain the story of when I went back to port, um, you know, I didn't end up working with um, the initial dentist that got me through. And when I look back on it, a part of me is like, if I did work with him, I would have probably had a lot more of that one-on-one mentorship and had, a uh, you know, had a lot more growth there. However, I'm also glad that I didn't because I would have got, Really comfortable in that, and I think I'd still be in Port Macquarie, which is not a bad thing. But I grew up there, I spent my whole life there. It's like I needed to spread my wings and go and you know somewhere else and you know do this whole new chapter. And I wouldn't have done that if I was comfortable. I needed the that you know discomfort to you know kick me in the butt and say, hey, you've got to you know start again, try something new and do it. And I, and often that's, you know, it takes a fair bit of a push for you to do something like that. So in in a way, you know, idealistic world, I'd probably, you know, change things for my first couple of years, but that's what I I needed to do what I did to get where I am anyway. So, Yeah. yeah.
1: So let's lie. So you go from private, then you go public because you're hearing like you need some support and it's got a great opportunity and um, you do that. But somehow you leave that to go on to something else. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I guess, you know, the goal for me all wasn't always like, you know, stay public forever for me, because there are a lot of limitations I find, maybe not for everybody, but for like, what I wanted to do in my dentistry, I, I, I just find like it was such a great place and you could definitely be very comfortable doing a, having a really great career there. However, that's the same thing that I went back to before, like, you know, comfort, you know, that I, I kind of need something to, to grow. I need like, you know, need a challenge to kind of make me do better and do, otherwise I get bored and then I'm unhappy. So I think a lot of dentists are the you know, not everybody, but I think there's a lot of dentists out there or new grads that are like that as well as that, you know, we kind of thrive off the challenge and, you know, having stimulation and things. And me personally, if I'm like, you know, if I'm not stimulated, if I'm not challenged, if I'm not doing things that are, you know, pushing me a bit, I just get stagnant and then I get bored and I'm probably not my, my best or my happiest self. So, yeah kind of you know where i was like you know i get to the point where i'm you know i've learned a lot from from this career but there's a lot of aspects of dentistry that i can't do out of there you know yes. some of the aesthetic treatments and things which i really love and i've always you know been like man that'd be really cool to learn that sort of stuff and to do to do that if i stayed public i wouldn't have the opportunity to chase those kinds of things so i had to you know Take it, take, you know, take a bit of a plunge and jump out. And I moved up to the Gold Coast because I had an opportunity to work up in the Gold Coast and worked out well.
1: Yeah. So tell us about that opportunity when you're in the Gold Coast. So what happens? You you arrive in a place where you practically don't know many people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a new kind of environment. How do you kind of dive in, you know, working in that place? How do you find, you know, your roots?
0: Yeah. Well, it was actually one of the nurses from my initial practice that I worked at when I when I graduated. She'd moved up to the Gold Coast, and she was um, she was working at Pacific Smiles. Um, And you know, I was looking for things, and we'd got chatting and whatever. And she said, "Oh, yeah, I could probably get your job up here." And I said, "All right, let's have a look." And it just worked. You know, it just all fell into place like that. It was a very easy, um, you know. transition into that into that position and role obviously going straight like from being public for a while back into private is a bit of a an adjustment again and
1: corporate at that
0: yeah 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 um and you know i don't have huge amounts of experience with other corporate practices like i've heard plenty of things you know both for and against but my experience was good um and i think it comes down to like an individual like how each practice is run like you could have a great one and a or a crap one whether it's public private or you know corporate whatever but the the practice that i was at had a really good practice manager she was very very good and the team was great like everyone got along really well so i never had like any kind of like push for like kpis any of that sort of stuff um and they would like very there and reason the way through. So I had a really good experience. I've heard others that haven't had for other corporates and things, maybe not as good an experience, but for me, it was, it was all quite positive. So
1: mm. I think what most people don't realize is that corporates, are uh, they themselves very dependent on each clinic. So each clinic is, it's not like, Oh, you just because you've joined this corporate, they're all the same. It's yeah. like their own little thing at the same yeah. time.
0: Yeah. There's still so, in practice. So I think You know, you could work for a a corporate that has less than ideal situation. But if you have a great team around you with people that you get along with and everything else, you're still probably, you know, for the most part, enjoy your job. I think it's a lot about who's who's around you. So, yeah.
1: So, I want to talk about your type of dentistry. You mentioned that when you're in public, you're thinking, I want to do these cosmetic cases. Mm -hmm. And so, then you end up moving to the Gold Coast at this time and you're in corporate are you doing more of these corporate, uh, these these cosmetic cases that you're kind of wanting to do at this point?
0: That was when I kind of dip my toe in. That was when I sort of started going, hmm, like what can I, what can I do? Some little things and pieces, and you know, I started working on like doing some, you know, minor like edge bonding sort of things, or you know, doing you know, doing some crowns or veneers on on front teeth that I normally wouldn't have done before, and a lot of that was kind of um, for me when when I think that, that to be honest Instagram started like that yeah. whole generation of like people were putting stuff on Instagram or even like DPR at the, t- at the time and you know so probably just prior to that where people were putting up cases and I was seeing like Barat and I was seeing Nile and I was seeing these guys posting these cases I was like man that's cool they're doing some awesome stuff like I would love to and and one way or another I ended up um Talking to Barat and and he was like, oh well, you know, just start doing some stuff. I asked some questions, he gave me some answers, and he kind of, you know, helped me out with a couple of cases. And I, you know, I would do these cases, and they were okay, not great. And I'd send him photos, and I look back at these photos now, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> damn. Um, but like, you know, that's how you start. That's how everyone starts. No one's amazing from, you know from the get-go and you just keep learning but um so yeah I had that kind of drive for it and then Barat was kind of going why don't you just come and work for us and I'll teach you and I was like nah man I'm not good enough like you know I had that like whole like self-conscious kind of thing going on where I was like I'm not up to that standard I've seen the work that you guys publish and you know I'm not there yet and he's like how do you think you can get there and so eventually I was like yeah let's let's do it then. And so that was when my, my journey with, uh, Oasis started, um, and you know, mentorship with, with Brad. So, yeah. All
1: right. So, I mean, talk to me about some of these courses that you might be doing to kind of complement it. Are you doing any courses or are you kind of just really just di- just sticking your head into, you know, working and then just trying to implement some of the things that you might be seeing? How do I replicate it? Like, hmm. how are you learning
0: yeah I think it's a I think it's a bit of both like you've got a I think ideally and it's not everyone's going to be have the ideal situation but ideally you've got some courses that you're doing or that you've done you're doing your reading or whatever online You, you know you're sussing out all the techniques and doing all that and then you've got a mentor to help you and you know guide you into implementing that because I think the hardest part is that when you start to learn a skill actually implementing it is scary and hard and you there's so many things that you need to look out for that you don't know so it's definitely a lot harder without a mentor um but I, yeah' I've, I've done um, a few um, you know set of courses like that I think for me as far as um, going for someone who is looking at something to uh, you know get into you know composites and things on anteriors uh, I think one of the best courses would be Sahil's. Um, he does like a, a composite veneer course and it was excellent, like super, super practical, super guided step through for everything. It really made sense. And I think I took a lot out of that course. So that was, that's a really good one. Um, I'm, I'm sure he's still doing that course. I'm not sure, but it was, it was really great. I think um, he's a really good teacher and I really recommend that as like a, you know a starting point I know um Barat and Johan have got their um BXY course I haven't done that because I was working with Barat as kind <laughs> of their point um but I'm I've heard it's really good and if it's like his mentorship one-on-one I'm sure it's really excellent as well so th- I think their booth would be really good beginner courses um and then for people who really are interested in it I think. Um, Tony Rotondo you know learning from him is like a is a really great thing to do but I think you've got to have you don't have to but I think you'd benefit more if you have a bit of understanding of aesthetics and and have a little bit of hand skill to start with Um, yeah he's really you know so incredibly talented and detailed and refined that I think uh, if you've got a little bit of skill already and you can refine that skill, then that's a really, a really good course to do.
1: Yeah. Okay. So then, how do you decide what kind of courses? How are you deciding that this is the course that uh, you wanted to do uh, amongst all that? How did you find it? Like, how did you go about deciding?
0: Yeah. It, I think earlier on it was pretty hard and it was a lot of word of mouth. But to be honest. Back in the day, it was a lot of like DPR, to be honest. DPR was, you know, you, you Google things or you, you, know, so you, you search it on DPR and <clears throat> see people's reviews or you check out, you know, you, you check out what other people are saying or ask other people. And, and you know, I'd always see guys like Sahil on there um, and be like, oh, you know, does really great work, seems like a really good guy. So um, I kind of, a lot of mine just was doing it and hoping for the best you know, and I was really lucky in that pretty much everything that I've done has been really valuable and worthwhile. So, um, you know, and now with you guys, you know, having like a directory for it way easier for people, but, um, but yeah, then it was kind of try and see what happens.
1: Yeah. So you go and to attend this course. Are you doing any other courses at around this time as well to kind of complement your skills?
0: Um, yes, yeah, so I was doing, I was doing some clear aligner stuff as well I was doing a diploma in that with the postgraduate school of dentistry um so that was that was actually really quite interesting in that you know it's talking about clear aligners you know but there was a huge huge emphasis on overall facial aesthetics and even though I do hate box theory as we were just chatting before we started and there is a lot of theory in it but I do think it really was good in shaping the way I now see and work, you know, in the entire face, not just a smile, um, and I think that's that's a, a shortfall sometimes that people get caught up in just looking at this little area instead of looking at the face. It's like, yes, this is their nice teeth, but does that complement someone's face, their lips, the shape of their head? Does it suit their their kind of character? Um, does that? smile look good within their face or are you just creating a nice smile that's like a generic smile so uh, that that, that finally up is one of probably the biggest things that I took from from you know going through that that course and and looking into that
1: mm-hmm. was there a reason why you picked clear aligners first as opposed to maybe fixed traditional orthodontics
0: yeah it, once again it comes back to the what I was just saying, and you know, planning for that whole face, like it's just so powerful now with digital technology being able to scan, be able to take photos or three D scans of the face, and being able to plan that from the start. It's that's just for me is how I do every case, and I, I just don't think there's a anything better than that at, at the moment. Like I think that should be the gold standard because. You know, there's so many times where I look back on cases that I've done years ago with clear aligners before we had, you know, before they would incorporate for Invisalign and things, you know, the face photos in now that we use. And I just think, far out, like, how was I doing this before when I was just looking, like I said, just looking at teeth in a mouth without considering the overall face properly? You know, yeah, you've got photos, but it's really hard to assess moving objects on a static photo that's off to the side, you know, without. Considering like your vertical movements and things, are you going to create more of a gummy smile, or are you intruding things? Are you balancing them with the lip? All of these kinds of things that I think, I I, I think would be very difficult to do with braces alone, you know, uh, and if unless you were doing you know braces and then you know doing some digital sort of stuff at the end to kind of align them up.
1: Mm -hmm, mm Hmm. Um. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce back a little bit because I'm trying to trying to frame the story for the listener who's kind of um, trying to follow along. So you graduate, you go in private, then you go to public. I mean, public's a tricky setting to, sorry, um, take photos because uh, there's a short amount of time. Because um, you, you're talking about all these aesthetics that you're trying to implement, but you're at this time, you're thinking about aesthetics. So at what point does photography all these orthodontics you know all these aesthetic stuff starts to really kind of come about and is it when you're moving to the gold coast at that point
0: correct yeah it wasn't until the move to the gold coast that i started doing you know doing these kinds of aesthetic treatments and looking into that and you know being keen for that when i was in port macquarie when i was working you know across the public uh and prior to that private i was I was really just trying to survive normal dentistry. Like that was me just building my foundations, being able to function and, you know, do normal treatments, how, you know, being able to do fillings and extractions and do them efficiently without, you know, taking forever, uh, you know, just being able to see and talk to people. I think like those baseline fundamentals are so important to be able to do really well. Sometimes I think, what I see now with new graduates is that they're like, they're also really keen to do all this stuff, which is great, but you've also got to have that foundation, you know, skill. So you've got to do, you've got, you know, you've got to be able to still be able to take out a tooth if someone comes in in pain and you've still got to be able to communicate with people and you've still got to be able to, you know, comfortably get the feelings done without, you know, absolutely having a you know horrible appointment that you, that you hate. So. Yeah.
1: You know. So, I mean, a lot of people also talk about photography being really difficult. You know, oh, I don't what do I find? How do I find the right kit? And all that. Did you yourself go out and buy it or did your practice already have it and you could implement it straight away?
0: I've spent so much money on photography stuff. I've seen, <laughs> I I've seen everything. <laughs> I bought it all and I just <laughs> trial it all. And I have a problem. I have a photography problem. Um, I just, keep buying things and trying them out and then ah, it's out of control every time i see a new diffuser somewhere i'm like this could be the one this (laughs) is the one and i'll buy it and i'll try it and i'll be like that's not the one (laughs) but yeah it was a lot of trial and error i've tried so many different types of flashes and so many different diffusers, and different angles and different things and it's all trial and error i look at my photos from a couple of years ago and they were terrible and they just keep getting a little bit better and they keep changing all the time. But you know, I guess I'm in, in the search for finding like the perfect, you know, the perfect photo, or the perfect like setup or whatever. When I find that, I'll let you all know. But <laughs> at the moment, my my recommendations for something simple that just takes good photos and looks good would be whatever brand. Doesn't matter if it's Canon or Nikon, um, either your sixty or your hundred mil macro, uh, you know, lens.
1: It's really uh, hard to get sixties now.
0: It is really hard to get sixties. You got to buy them off like marketplace, uh, secondhand, the dark <laughs> web. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man. I went to buy another one the other week because I want, I wanted a, another one for a separate camera so I could have two different flashes going, and yeah, I couldn't believe it. They were nowhere to be found, and. They weren't on eBay and they weren't on the internet. So yeah, I I was going on Marketplace scouring. Like now I'm going to say this and everyone's going to buy them. I'm going (laughs) to go like get a little stockpile. I might start selling them (laughs) to dentists at like inflated rates. Um, But yeah, horribly hard, but it's a great lens. I love my 60. I use it for everything. And I know there's a lot of people, you need to use a hundred million. I don't know. It works good for me. I like it. it. I don't have to get too far back to take photos or, portraits and things with it 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 works really well and it's lighter which is nice if you get your um you know your staff taking photos they'll complain if it's too heavy but
1: yeah I'm uh, holding onto my 60 really tightly too but (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah so flashes I I'm a big believer in twin flash um it just looks heaps better for everything aesthetic um I think the at the moment Now that they've got the Godox, I think it's the MF-12, which is really affordable, um, really great one that you can, you know, clip onto the edge of your your lens without having to have, uh, without having to have arms and things on it. So that saves you a lot of cost. And then diffusers, um, Hunts is the way to go. It's awesome. It's cheap. It's easy. Clip it on. Photos will look like you're a photography guru. Very easy. But there's definitely some like the, there's some fine tuning to taking photos about, you know, doing the right angles and doing them reproducibly so that your before and afters look, look right. And a fair bit of, you know, knowing how to adjust settings for different situations and white balance and things. So I guess I take it for granted a little bit. Cause I've like, I've always been into photography even prior to dentistry, but yeah, as far as where to learn that, I don't know at the moment.
1: This Uh, trial and error sounds like (laughs) is what you're saying. Yeah, that's what
0: I did. But that's, it's definitely not the like the fastest way to learn something. Um, Like it took me years to like to get to the point where I'm at. Whereas I feel like, you know, I could teach what I learned to somebody in a couple of hours and they would be fine. But, you know, there's, I don't know if there's many photography courses out there. I think Sabi actually has... An online one that he teaches. Um, it does yes, yeah. So that would be that'd be really good. He's super super good. Um, he knows his stuff really well. So that's what I probably that's what I probably recommend.
1: So okay, let's start. Let's fast forward back into uh, you're at Oasis Dental, right? You're along. You've 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 got um, Barat Hugh, who's encouraged you to join the team because he's said to you that you know how are you going to achieve your goal of wanting the business and aesthetic dentist if, uh, you know, there's no real map to it. So, okay, you've joined the team. What happens at this point?
0: Um, from there, I worked, I think about four years maybe um, with Oasis, which was great. Um, clinic is beautiful, had a great time. Um, learned a lot through there. Um, early on, I got a, like a lot of mentorship from from barat which was, you know, uh, which is excellent.
1: Uh, are we talking like aesthetics at this point? Or are we just talking general dentistry at this point?
0: General as well, but, you know, w- with increasing focus on aesthetics, you know, early on I was, you know, doing a few cases here and there, and then both the Invisalign and, you know, the other aesthetic treatments, bonding veneers, etc., was you know, picking up and, uh, you know, the more, the more that you do, the more that you do, like you, you start doing it, people refer other people, you put some photos on Instagram and people start coming in and it just kind of, it just kind of spirals like that. I think uh, the, the more you do and you show people and the more that you're confident in it, the more that you'll talk to people about it. And then the more that you do and it keeps going.
1: Yeah. And along the way, I mean, I'm assuming he's going to encourage you to take more photos to document how you're kind of progressing and yeah. where you can fine tune it. Is that the case?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think that was one of mine and Brat's like funny little connections is that we were just, we were the two people that were both obsessed with photography and always like I'd come in and have this new thing. And then Brat would be like, what's that? And then you know, <laughs> he'd come back in the next week with some new thing. And I'm like, oi, what's. You, is it good? Should I get one? <laughs> like we would, he's the like the only other person that I've met that would have spent equal or probably more money than me on dental photography equipment. And we were always trialing, you know, all the different flashes, and we get different things. Or someone would send something to him or to me, and we'd be trialing this and trialing that to to get what we um, to get what we use. But um, yeah, so th- there was always that kind of thing. You know, we were trying to, you know we're kind of like pushing each other to to do better, which is like the way that you you want to kind of be with someone, I think.
1: Mean. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, we've had someone else who's been through the way assist dental and they've mentioned in the past that, you know, there'll be study clubs mm. um, where they kind of, you know, fine tune things or discussion, case discussions about that. Is mm. that how you found you're also learning for other people's mistakes or whatnot? For sure.
0: Like, um, Niall, for example, he's he's really excellent. I really have a lot of time for Niall, and he's someone who's really good at presenting what he's done and he's done a lot, a lot of stuff and he's done some really cool stuff, but he's also really good at presenting what he's done wrong, um, which I think is really hard to do, particularly in a setting where, you know, you've got a lot of good clinicians around that are, you know, that are looking at every fine detail of a case on a, you know, on a really big screen. Um, And he he was really vulnerable in those aspects that he could bring a case up and be like, hey, here's this case that I did. And this is what I did wrong. And these are the after photos. You can see X, Y, Z. And, you know, and so it'd be like, wow, cool. And we can all learn, you know, we can all learn from that. So I think, you know, he's good at not only showing what he's really good at, which, you know, a lot of people have seen online or on DPR and things, some of the really, you know, really great work that he does. Um, but yeah, I think learning from what not to do is just as, you know, or if not more powerful than, than seeing people's successes. Mm -hmm. So those, um, those things are really good. I think having, you know, having a mentor or multiple mentors or people that you can discuss cases with like that just is invaluable, particularly for someone early on in their career, because if you can't bounce cases or your failures or successes of people then it's really hard to learn from them
1: yeah no that's fair enough and is this point that you're starting to consider orthodontics more and that's when you start to pick up that postgraduate diploma yeah
0: yeah yeah so I was I was already doing you know doing like a decent amount of Invisalign at that point and I thought you know I should probably you know do some further studies to like complement this and you know, also, so I've got some kind of credibility for it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I um, you know, got in into doing that um, and, you know, shipping away at that sort of in the background. But I think learning while you're doing cases, is just, you know, it, it was great because I, you know, I'd have these cases that I wouldn't be able to take on if I didn't have the mentorship of someone from this course. Um, Uh, to do that like ryan doran's the guy's name uh, who was helping and mentoring me and oh he's just given me so much like that man i got so much time for he has given me so much of his time um to help me with cases that otherwise people would probably say i don't take that case on or you know this is kind of you know a bit out of your league or you know don't do that with Invisalign" or whatever and he'd just be straight up with me and tell me you know you know pros and cons risks outcomes and things that we'd kind of discuss and and so some of the cases that i've got that i finished from you know even early on in my line career there's no chance that i would have done them without the support and guidance of someone with a lot of experience so Mm
1: -hmm. so was is he a general dentist you said or was he an orthodontist or is he just a fellow colleague or is he just in the program he's in the program i can't i
0: can't remember what ryan's ryan's position was I swear um, no I don't know I'd be I'd be gambling but he he I know he used to work back in the in the in the day when Invisalign was um was lined up with Southern Cross or whatever it was and he was doing I'm pretty sure he was doing a lot of like when people would have issues they would send it to you know send it to the you know them and say hey I'm having trouble with this case and he was the like the problem solver man so mm. for someone who's seen all the problems I think that's the most valuable thing that anyone could have in in just knowing when things are going to go wrong is probably you know i think being able to predict that from the start it it takes the rest of it's easy like the actual treatment itself is so easy once you've planned it right so yeah
1: that's the hardest part finding someone who's going to be able to dedicate as much you know love and dedication to it as as you would need to get the job done
0: yeah absolutely because
1: as you probably mentioned like uh, there's refinements along the way that, you know, when things may not be tracking it's, you got the treatment planning, but then along the way, it may not track um, mm. as well as you would like. And then you're like, Oh, how do I problem solve this? Right.
0: Absolutely. Because early on in, 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 you know, my Invisalign treatments and things, when things didn't track, I was worried, you know, you'd starts seeing a gap on a tooth and a and going, Oh my God, what's happening? Did I do something wrong? Is the patient not wearing their aligners? What's happening here? I don't know. And then now it's, kind of the reverse i've already predicted that that's going to happen if it's going to happen on a you know really difficult movement the patient knows and no one's concerned or no one's worried we're like you know if we think it might lag on a you know an extrusion movement of a canine upper canine or something I'm like hey this is probably going to happen you know we'll address it by xyz Um don't stress when and if it does happen, we'll try and avoid it. And if it happens, we'll resolve it. And so no it's, it's really not stressful now because if you can learn to predict what movements are going to be difficult and what things are going to cause your problems, then no one's concerned. And it doesn't become like, you know, a, an excuse of you saying like, oh, I'm trying to make up some reason why things aren't fitting and patients are upset. So I think that, you know, having that, that, you know, that sight into it is is really, really valuable.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess I assume you were leaning on more than just one person, but there was obviously maybe some commonality in what they were saying um, to kind of piece it all together. Yeah. So at some point as any clinician, they reach a point where they start to contemplate practice ownership or being a specialist or being a super dental GP, you know, or even starting to think about starting a family. Can you share your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, sure. I think a lot of a lot of us as the the type of personalities that often dentists are everyone's kind of pretty you know pretty big goals and dreams and driven and motivated and things and and I think you know some people are happy are very happy to to work hard and work in a business where they don't have to you know think about the all the the staffing issues and all the overheads and costs and advertising and so you know all of that sort of stuff that comes with you know there's a lot of work that goes involved. Um but for me, I kind of kind of like I like that sort of stuff. And I like growing things and making things that it's not particularly just about me so much. Um, And so yeah, I I just found that you know I was more interested going along and like, hey, what if we did like a you know this kind of promotion or what if we introduced this or tried to do that or you know you know start having all these ideas. and there comes a point where it's it's difficult to do that for somebody else's business. And it's their business at the end of the day. You can't like hijack their their thing with your own ideas and expectations. And, you know, even though if it may benefit, which is great, but at the end of the day, you can't like, you know,
1: it's their seriously. baby at the end of the day.
0: Exactly. And everyone's got the way that they want to run a practice and their ideals and everything. So it becomes it becomes a hard point, and do you either settle and say, "Look, I'm cool to you know just follow the lead and be comfortable," um, but for me, like once again going back to what we said before, comfort, you know, I I get too comfortable, and then I need something to need something to grow and to challenge me, and uh, a little bit of risk, you know. I don't think I don't think you grow in the comfort zone. So, um, so that was kind of always going to be the, you know, there was a long time where I, I said, Oh no, look, I'm like, cause I had such a good gig at Oasis that I was like, I don't see why I would leave, you know, like, I've got this great job, love it. I've worked, you know, my hours that I want to do, I've got great patients, but slowly it grew. And I, you know, you get to the point where I go, you know, I think, I I need to throw myself in the deep end. I need to grow this thing for myself and start from scratch. And it's a whole new chapter now, but it it is really rewarding. Um, And I'm having, I'm having a lot of fun with it. You know, it's kind of re re sparked a whole new, you know, excitement for dentistry in, like you said, growing it like a baby. It literally is like a baby and, you've got to throw so much time and effort and resources, all your money, all your time, gray hairs at it and um, to, to see it grow. But when you start to see it growing and things doing good and people saying, hey, look, like this is really cool. Like you've done really well. It's like very rewarding. So, yeah.
1: So for our viewers, if you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favorite part, but don't forget to like and subscribe and we'll see you in the next episode of CPD Junkie Podcast. Thank you.